Welcome to Commune, a global wellness community and online course platform featuring some of the world's greatest teachers. We are on a mission to inspire, heal, pass down wisdom, and bring the world closer together. This is the Commune podcast, where each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us live this healthy, connected, and purpose-filled life. So if you are hunkered down at home, as you should be, this may be a good time to check out our course platform at onecommune.com, where you'll find programs from Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra, Russell Brand, Wim Hof, Brendan Burchard, Adrian Mishler, and many other brilliant personal development and wellness luminaries. Our courses span yoga, meditation, spiritual development, functional medicine, recovery, and social impact. Essentially, everything you need to be holistically well. Just go to onecommune.com. And right now, given the gravity of the global pandemic, one might instinctually think that practices like meditation and like yoga are dispensable, but nothing could be less true. If you are one of the superheroes on the front line, a healthcare worker, medical professional, a food provider, a scientist or biologist, a government worker, you will be stressed to your limits psychologically and physically. Even 30 seconds of deep breathing and grounding can help you stay centered and focused. We need you and we support you. So if you are someone on the front lines that could benefit from a meditation course right there on your phone, just email me at jeffk at onecommune.com. So in early February, I got very sick. Fever, shivers, sweats, and an awful cough that seemed to linger forever. It was really acute for five or six days. I did eventually get better, but felt that my immune system was compromised. In mid-March, the shivers came back, and I got a sore throat, a little cough, and a profound fatigue. I would try to work for a couple hours, do this podcast, uh, and then collapse. And given the intense coverage on coronavirus hurtling at me at every second, of course, there was the additional marine layer of anxiety. My fever was extremely low-grade. Uh, and because of limited availability of testing, um, I just started to treat myself the best I could. Now, I don't know if I have or had COVID-19. Certainly, it wasn't as remotely uh, as acute as many cases, but and I seem to have largely beat it back now. However, since I'm not a doctor, I called the best one I could possibly think of to get advice on how to bolster my immune system. Dr. Mark Hyman is a practicing family physician and an internationally recognized leader, speaker, educator, and advocate in the field of functional medicine. He is the founder and director of the Ultra Wellness Center, the head of strategy and innovation of the Cleveland Clinic for Functional Medicine, and a 13-time New York Times best-selling author. His most recent book is Food Fix, How to Save Our Health, Our Economy, Our Communities, and our planet, one bite at a time. So Mark and I talk about the myriad behaviors you can embrace to boost your immune system from food to supplements to practices and rituals. We also delve into food policy, environmentalism, and how this pandemic may impact our approach to health moving forward. I hope that you find this episode useful. You may be at home feeling mild symptoms, perhaps some that are psychosomatic, and even if you're feeling great, as they say, the best time to fix your roof is on a sunny day. So keeping yourself healthy right now is not just good for you, it's also essential for your community and for society at large. So without further ado, my conversation with Dr. Mark Hyman. My name is Jeff Krasno, and welcome to Commune. Hello, Dr. Mark Hyman. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Jeff? Good. What a crazy time to be alive and to be a doctor and alive. It's true. It's it's a double it's a double hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's safe to say that at the core of your philosophy 
about medicine, um, but I, I would say also society at large is the subject of food. Mm. And you have been one of the most articulate uh, messengers around food being at the epicenter of essentially all the salient issues of society from personal health to our healthcare system to mm. the environment. Mm. Um, and you have a new book that has just been released called Food Fix that addresses many of these, um, many of these topics and uh, I guess the diaspora of food. Yeah. Uh, and as a way into our conversation today, I would love to um, talk about what's kind of top of mind for everybody, which is food's relationship with the immune system and general personal health, given the global pandemic of COVID-19. Um, and I think it's uh, probably just appropriate to say that we're recording this on Friday, March 27th, in a situation that's incredibly fluid, um, as the statistics kind of change every single day. Um, so just to kind of frame this as a a bit of a personal note. Um, I'm just recovering from sort of an eight day stint um, where I was, uh, I had many of the symptoms that are highly associated with COVID-19. Um, persistent cough. In my case, it was not particularly acute, but somewhat of a low grade fever. Um, extreme lethargy, aches and pains, kind of shivers, sweats, etc. But because of the lack of availability of testing where I live in Los Angeles, I didn't really qualify for a test. And, you know, I'm 49 years old. I'm not highly susceptible um, to, you know, to any kind of high mortality rate, et cetera. Um, so really my goal was to self-treat. And, um, and I did a number of things, um, and I'm curious what you think about these things and how you, they relate to how you would generally counsel someone who is trying to boost and bolster their immune system. Um, so I wonder if you could take us through um, what your regimen would be um, right now to protect yourself uh, or, or essentially bolster your immune system. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. And thanks for having me on the podcast. And I think, you know, now more than ever, people need to focus on their health and well-being and, and the role of food and lifestyle on strengthening their immune system. Because we know now that the people who are most likely to die from COVID-19 are the ones with underlying chronic disease, including heart disease, diabetes, uh, cancer, and even obesity. You know, your risk of Death is almost three times higher if you're obese, which is 42% of the population, 10 times higher if you have heart disease, seven times higher if you have diabetes. And by the way, uh, one out of two Americans has prediabetes or type 2 diabetes, which suppresses immunity. So I, I think now that more than ever, we have to understand the role of food in, in our immune system, but also you know food in the bigger context of making us susceptible to all sorts of diseases. And uh, I wrote a um, an article and posted it called uh, how to protect yourself from COVID-19 supporting your immune system when you need it most. And people can Google that. I'm trying to update it on a regular basis, but essentially talk about the science of what we know about how to best support your immune system. And we know a lot. Uh, food is probably the most important thing. Uh, there are both harmful and immune suppressing foods and there are protective foods. So the, the harmful foods are really clear. It's sugar and starch, which is no surprise. I've been touting that horn for decades, but sugar and starch are among the most harmful components of our diet for immune function. And by the way, they are 60% of our diet for the average American, uh, which is flour and sugar in all its forms. Uh, second is salt. Salt seems to have an excess um, in excess has an impact on your immune system. So salt is good, but excess salt is bad. And most people do not get too much salt by adding salt to their food. They get it by eating processed food, which is loaded with 
added salt. It's not the food salt that you add to your food. It's the salt that's added to your food by corporations. So you want to stay away from processed food. The other thing is, is there are a lot of additives and ingredients in food uh, and, and just processed food in general is very damaging to the microbiome, which is the immune, the ecosystem in your gut. And when that gets altered, it damages the lining of the gut, otherwise known as leaky gut. And that is a problem because 60% of your immune system is right underneath the layer of your intestinal lining. And why that's important is that if you look at all the chronic diseases, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, um, autoimmune diseases, and so forth, they all relate to the gut and they all relate to a leaky gut. And they all are driven by this inflammatory reaction that happens when your immune system is exposed to the uh, partially digested food proteins and to the bacterial toxins that are in the inside of your gut. You don't want them to get outside and leak in, sort of like coffee grounds leaking through a coffee filter that's got two big holes in it. So getting your gut healthy is really important and avoiding those additives like the emulsifiers, thickeners, and all the gums that are in our processed food is really, really important. So number one, get off of the harmful foods, processed foods, sugar, starch, refined oils. That's just be a, the first step. And I think people are having more time at home. They can cook from real food. They can make real ingredients. You have time to soak your beans. You have time to do all this stuff that yeah. people didn't have time to do. And now's the time to really get into cooking. On the protective side, if I can, or do you want, do you want to ask me a yeah, question? I was going to ask you, I, I know that there are some philosophies around, um, like, for example, NSAIDs or lectins that might contribute to the breakdown of the mucus on the wall of the, your intestines that could lead to, um, to lead to, to leaky gut. And there's also been some articles out there written about NSAIDs and it's, and when I, and when I say NSAIDs, maybe you could clarify what that is. I mean like Aleve or Advil or ibuprofen, Naprosyn, you know, those are anti-inflammatory drugs that exactly. seem to be problematic in terms of uh, COVID-19 particularly. So you shouldn't use it to treat symptoms and, also, it's damaging to your gut as well. Yeah. Okay, good. Good to know. Because essentially, when I was experiencing fever, and many people probably are at home having some mix of winter flu, or potentially mild cases of COVID-19, or psychosomatic symptoms, whatever it can be, but you would advise not to treat fever with ibuprofen. I mean, there's been written, you know, that maybe Tylenol is a preferable treatment for that, or maybe not treat it at all. Um, I wonder where you yeah. stand on that. It seems that, it seems that Tylenol may be okay, although it is toxic to the liver and eye doses. Uh, I think there were some case reports initially of how NSAIDs caused worsening of COVID-19 when they were used in patients. I think we're still learning about it. Uh, so I, I feel... Like it's, it's, it's better safe than sorry in this situation. I, I think so in going back to sort of the, 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 on the good side, um, there's a lot of foods that are highly protective to your immune system. And these foods include, you know, all the typical suspects, all the colorful plant foods that we should be eating anyway, that I've recommended people to eat, uh, and foods that contain lots of different nutrients that are particularly good for your immune system. For example, vitamin C, so a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. Zinc, which comes in pumpkin seeds and other nuts and seeds. Selenium, which is found in Brazil nut. B6, you know, I think people should get vitamin A and B6, which is also very helpful for your system. You can get the dark vegetables, B6s, and some plant foods, but the best sources of vitamin A and B6 are organic chicken livers <laughs> so great it's very cheap food anybody mm -hmm. i mean i grew up i grew up on that stuff because sure. we were very poor when i was growing up my mom used to make chicken livers and onions and put it on rice and i thought it was like gourmet food i loved it and uh, what did i know i was a little kid five years old but uh, it was it was ex extremely healthy livers is far more nutrient dense in terms of vitamins and minerals than any plant food on the planet that's just a fact that's not an opinion um so uh, I think we also should be thinking of 
uh, ways to to increase spices that help us that are good for the immune system. Turmeric, uh, you know, which is great. Ginger, garlic also have antiviral and microbial properties. A rosemary, um, horsetin, which is found in a lot of onions and 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 the, the allium family vegetables, leeks, uh, and then of course there's a lot of foods that we can use to help our gut, uh, both prebiotic and probiotic foods. Uh, and and uh, you know obviously the probiotic foods that we know we know pretty well. Those are things like kefir and yogurt and fermented foods like sour sauerkraut and kimchi and miso and natto and tempeh and these are all things that we can be consuming it's the prebiotic foods so it's like chicory root dandelion greens jerusalem artichokes garlic onions leeks uh, artichokes asparagus bananas barley oats apples uh, cognac root which is actually from um you know it's a it's a, root, a japanese root uh, and they make these shirataki noodles, which are really great alternatives to regular noodles. Um, they're high in fiber, flax seeds, and jicama root. Um, seaweed is also very great. So you can you can include a lot of these to help your gut microbiome and protect your gut, which is really really important. Mm. So I really encourage people to to focus on on optimizing the nutrition through eating nutrient dense foods. Protein is also important. Uh, you know, particularly for for um, people who are elderly or sick, uh, they need a lot more protein, and and often they're not getting enough. And uh, you know, protein is what you're required to uh, actually build the the components of your immune system. Your immunoglobulins, your antibodies, are made from protein. A lot of your immune response is depending on adequate protein, and that's why you see in the developing world people die from inconsequential infections all the time because they have protein malnutrition. Because they can't afford and protein. So good quality protein is really important as well. Yeah. What would you say would be the recommended sources of protein? Well, I mean, you know, you can have lots of different sources. We had uh, lentils the other night, um, which are good. But you want to make sure you get nut butters, beans, uh, whole grains, uh, actual, um, you know, you have to eat a fair bit to get uh, adequate protein. Uh, but, you know, sources are also okay. And I've been getting... Um, online sources of good good value, uh, high quality animal products like fish. So I bought, you know, from Vital Choice, lots of cans of salmon, and mackerel, and I, anchovies. I think, and, I think we've been buying for the last remaining cans of that stuff. <laughs> my I wife, a bunch of cases. Yeah. yeah, I know. My wife buys it by the case, and I, I don't and, know if they have any left. You know, and we'll buy from Butcher Box, which has uh, grass-fed meats that you can get, and, and animal products. Uh, Thrive Market has a lot of low-cost uh, products. Again, there's a big run on all this stuff. So, um, you know, you have to be patient and, you know, but you can go to your local store. I mean, I went to Walmart and, you know, for $500, I bought, you know, enough food for almost three months for my ex-wife because she was struggling and couldn't have a car. And, you know, there, really you could get a lot of really healthy nutrient dense food. I didn't buy her any junk food. I didn't buy her any processed food. I just bought real food. And I literally for $500, I got you know, enough food for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think I think focusing on nutrient density, focusing on adequate, um, you know, protein on lots of phytochemicals, lots of spices. I made I made for example a, a dal the other day, which has lots of turmeric and ginger and garlic and some. You know, I made I made chicken soup, which is actually great for your immune system. I put in all kinds of spices. I put in ginger and I put in garlic. You can, you you know to get now but you can buy these astragalus things like looks like tongue depressors they're chinese root mm -hmm. that are incredibly immune boosting so you can throw those in the soup and sort of make an immune soup uh so there's a, there's a lot of things you can do that are and, and it's fun i mean i like taking time to cook and hang out is, is actually a real joy and a pleasure i love to do it and i'm just thrilled to be able to get you know you like make food that's uh, better than a restaurant at this point <laughs> Well, you're you're a renaissance man, and those qualities are becoming quite clear on this phone call. Um, what would you say about the body and alkalinity? And um, one of the things that I was doing was um, gargling um, apple cider vinegar in a little bit of water and um, a couple of times a day, and then actually drinking a little bit of apple cider vinegar 
I've read some things around uh, the effects or the impacts of alkalinity on the body um, and its relationship specifically to COVID-19, but to um, to other forms of disease as well. So I, I wonder what you would comment on that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's been, you know, so many dietary fads out there. And I think we, you know, we need to sort of be commonsensical about this. I think your pH in your body is extremely tightly controlled. Uh, but it, it can become altered in the face of illness uh, and you become more acidotic. Even small changes can have significant impact on your cellular function and your immune function. So most of the ways in which Americans eat with highly processed foods creates sort of a slight increase in acidity. And that seems to accelerate, you know, the damage from COVID-19 uh, and, 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 and you end up often in a metabolic acidosis. So eating a more alkaline diet is good for you anyway. So if you get off a of processed and junk food and you eat a plant-rich diet and you cut out the sugar and processed foods, you're going to be alkalinizing your body anyway. You know, there's some people are suggesting, you know, taking alkalinizers for gold and so forth. I mean, okay. But I, I think um, I think it's, it's probably not the most important point other than just reemphasizing the need for a, a plant-rich diet that can help to uh, change your biology into one that is resilient and is able to fight infection rather than one that is susceptible and more likely to cause uh, a, a crisis if you do get it. Yeah. Um, beyond food, I'm curious around what other forms of behavior that you sure. have the power to enact over your own life um, sure. that may help to boost uh, immunity. Well, I've doubled down on all my practices uh, because I, I feel so strongly that they're they're critically important, especially in this time, because not only protecting myself, but by my not getting sick, I'm not ending up in the hospital and overburdening the system. So it, it is a social act to take care of yourself because it's very selfish to undermine your own health in this time because you will be more likely to get sick and more likely to end up in a hospital and more likely to need a ventilator and burden the healthcare system, which really is, 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 uh, buckling under the weight of this epidemic. So yeah, I think it's the obvious stuff. It's moderate exercise, boost your immune system. So I took a nice hour walk around our, uh, around our area up a hill and got a good workout. Um, I'll do seven minute workout every day. I'll do yoga at home. Those simple things, uh, meditation, 20 minutes, twice a day is sort of a non-negotiable for me. I just meditated before this podcast <laughs> and I, you know, I, I feel like it, it really helps to, especially in this, this moment of anxiety, because like we're all in this together, like you, me, everybody, our houses, our families, our friends, like there's, there's one silver lining here, which is that we're all recognizing that we're one human species sharing this human condition together that no ideology no political persuasion no religious belief no dietary persuasion matters at this point what matters is that each of us uh, join the human community in this collective effort to to sort of work on this problem so i, th I think that meditation is really key the exercise is really key sleep so important i think people are often not sleeping. They're having struggles with anxiety. I think prioritizing sleep is really important. I develop a sleep ritual, which is, uh, you know, get off all devices at least an hour, ideally two hours before you go to bed. I love taking a hot bath with Epsom salt and lavender. Lavender actually reduces cortisol levels. So lavender essential oil sounds corny, but the science is really clear. That's why Johnson & Johnson has done a lot of the research on this. They make the lavender baby bath. <laughs> they know about this. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and then I uh, get into bed and and I have a little light, which is a, um, like a light, but it's actually uh, a no blue light. It's all the sort of non-blue light uh, uh, spectrum. So it allows me to not sort of stimulate my my retina with all these uh, sleep-disrupting light. And, and then, um, and then you know, when I get tired, I just uh, cuddle my wife and go to bed. So I think there's a real, you know, real important uh, rich, rituals and structure is really important, I think, also, because given this sort of all of a sudden time of, 
you know, lack of structure, lack of focus, uh, it's really important to put in place for each of us a structure for the day that gives us a rhythm and an understanding that, that, you know, how to cope with this. So I think that's really, really important. So I, I feel like those are really essential. And then, of course, there's there's my supplement regimen, which I think you don't have to go crazy with. I think there are things that are really, really important. Um, for example, I think vitamin C, uh, moderate amounts of vitamin D, zinc. I think, uh, you know, taking quercetin can be helpful, which is a, 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 seems to be very good in regulating inflammation. Um, so so ba- your basic supplements. And, and then, of course, there's all kinds of things that people are experimenting with and trying and suggesting, and it, it can kind of get out of hand a little bit. I think um, the, other, the other piece is really important is that there are, are therapies that might be helpful for people. I'd, like intravenous vitamin C. Yeah, we're using this in our clinic in China. They did trials with this and found it very effective in reducing symptoms and preventing death. So, you know, high dose vitamin C intravenously. Uh, there, there's I think an opportunity to look at ozone therapy, which sounds crazy, but using ozone gas intravenously can help actually kill viruses and boost immune function and help people recover. I believe so. There's a lot of things out there that people are trying peptides. Uh, there's a lot of work around peptides in China. I've seen some preliminary data of, of uh, scientists experimenting with high-dose vitamin C and thymosin and other peptides that can help stimulate immune function. So I, I think we're going to be learning more and more, but the basics are the key. If you focus on the basics, your diet, exercise, meditation, yoga, sleep, uh, you're going to get through this. Uh, and, and, you know, we all can do what we can do and, and nobody has great expectations for you, you know, writing the great next novel or, you know, doing some great thing. You just need to hunker down, take care of each other. And I I think the other, the other thing I think is really important for immune function is social connection. Mm. And I think loneliness is really probably one of the biggest killers in America. And I, I worry about that for people today. Um, and people who are isolated or alone, uh, you know, spending more time in deep connection with people is really important. So if you have someone in your house that you're sequestered with, I think it's to really drop in and go deep with them and, and, you know, rediscover intimacy and connection and sharing and, you know, being in this together with them in a, in a, in a shared collaborative experience, it will actually also help your immune system. Uh, and I've been working with my team virtually now and and you know i had 30 of my employees on a zoom call all the video it was the coolest thing and you know i felt you know i could see them all i could feel them and we had a great connection and i think there's a lot of ways to actually to make this work wonder if you could expand um, beyond kind of the realm of personal health, uh, because, you know, one of the topics that you talk a lot about is the interrelationship between food and our healthcare system and, um, and the environment. And, uh, and I wonder if you can take a little bit of time to talk about the food industry, how the food industry operates, who are the winners and who are the losers, and and what are the ramifications are on our uh, environment and our healthcare system. Well, you know, you know, before all this started, I, you know, I, I think uh, I was very focused on the role of our food system in so many of our global crises and the role of it, particularly in chronic disease and our chronic disease epidemic, which affects six out of ten of us in this country and is uh, responsible for, um, you know, one in three uh, dollars in our federal budget, soon to be one in two within five years. And, and it's the importance of addressing this is, is underscored by the, the way in which COVID is actually attacking the, the people who have chronic disease, which is the majority of Americans. So, and that, that sort of underscores the importance of it. But, you know, as you draw the threads of the, our food system and what it's doing to us and to humanity through 
the the poisoning of our species. Uh, and literally, we, we, we see the number one cause of death globally today is is food. Hmm. Uh, it's it's not enough protective foods and too much processed foods. Ultra processed foods, is, I think, conservatively kill about 11 million people a year. And I think it's a lot more when you add in all the other diseases that are caused by food. Uh, and, you know, there are 2,300 Americans that die every single day from preventable heart disease deaths alone. You know, it's far more than COVID is killing at this point. So we we have to actually look at this more carefully. And then when you sort of start to say, what else does food do and how else does it affect our world? Well, it clearly is is the biggest driver of climate change. And most people are not aware of this. Most people think it's fossil fuels. But when you add in deforestation, soil erosion, fact animals, food waste, transport, refrigeration, packaging, processing, you add all that in. I mean, just fertilizer alone is such a massive contributor uh, to, to food, uh, to, to climate change. Um, it's, the, it's the number one cause, and maybe between 47 and 54% of all greenhouse gases are caused by our food system in some way or another. And then, of course, there's all the environmental degradation, the loss of biodiversity. We've lost 90% of our edible plant species, 50% of our livestock species, 75% of our pollinator species, on which a lot of our agriculture depends on. And uh, and then, of course, the water resources are being depleted. 70% of our human use of fresh water is for growing animals for human consumption. Uh, most of our cropland, 70% of it is used to grow food for animals for human consumption. The deforestation is to grow animals for human consumption. So this is a bad plan. Um, that doesn't mean automatically that I'm recommending everybody become vegan because as Russ Conzer said, as a regenerative farmer, it's not the cow, it's the how. And, and actually turns out that regenerative farming or regenerative ranching can actually restore soils and draw down carbon and, and actually soils are the biggest carbon sink on the planet and hold three times the amount of carbon as exists in the entire atmosphere. In fact, most people don't realize this, but 30 to 40% of all the carbon currently in the atmosphere, which is a trillion tons, mm -hmm. 30 to 40%, about three to 400 billion tons comes from soil erosion and the loss of soil organic matter. The organic matter in soil is carbon. You know, carbon dioxide is how the plants breathe. That carbon goes into the plants and creates carbohydrates coming from carbon. And and people don't get that whole cycle. So that's a big issue. And then and then there's even more downstream effects on social justice and on kids and on national security. We have kids who, you know, can't learn in school from eating junk, who have ADD, behavior issues, violence. Uh, we see in prisons just by swapping out bad food for healthy food in prisons, you reduce violent crime by 56% and 80% if you give them a multivitamin. Same thing in kids, you reduce suicides by up to 100%. This one study of 3,000 kids who were given healthy food reduced the suicide rate 100%, reduced the need for restraint 70%, reduced oppositional defiant bad behavior by 90%. So we, we know the role of food is playing on our mental health, um, it's perpetuating poverty, income inequality, social injustice. Uh, and so there's so many different ways in which we're being threatened by our food system, even our, even our national security and our, and our, our nation state is being threatened because the way we're growing food is threatening our future ability to grow food. Mm -hmm. Uh, the way we're growing food is actually because of climate change and, and creating different uh, unstable environmental conditions and climate conditions makes it harder and harder to grow food. We saw over a million acres flooded in the Midwest in 2019 and farms and need a $20 billion bailout by President Trump. And to put that in perspective, you know, farmers get $4 billion a year in subsidies. So that's five times the yearly subsidy right. for farmers. Uh, so, so, and of course, military recruits aren't even able to join the military because they're unfit or too fat to fight. Uh, so we have all these problems that are caused by food. And unless we attack the food system, starting with the seed and the soil and, and, and moving on to how we 
um, you know, grow and, and process and, and distribute and eat and waste food. I mean, it, it all has to get fixed. And I didn't even mention food waste, but these are all connected problems. So my book, Food Fix, was about connecting the dots. It's not called Food Apocalypse, which I just laid out. Mm-hmm. It's called Food <laughs> Fix, which is about solving the problem. Yeah, and that's and that's what I want to ask you about now because the one thing that I love about the book is that it is very prescriptive uh, in its solutions, um, and uh, and I'd like to talk a little bit about where the responsibility lies to address some of these underlying conditions that you know that you've laid out, um, and what we can do individually. Um, and, and oftentimes it's very easy for us to feel sort of paralyzed uh, in the face of the enormity of this problem. Um, but I'd love to first um, have you address, if you, if you don't mind, what we can do individually um, as, as human beings and as citizens, um, and then subsequently where does the other kinds of responsibility lie? What can, for example, the government do with policy to change the arc uh, of this issue? Great, great question. So, you know, in my book, um, Food Fix, I go through what individuals can do, businesses can do, what policymakers can do. And on my website, foodfixbook.com, you can actually download the free Food Fix Action Guide. (laughs) So um, I think that we, we... we really need to to look at what we can do. And and I, I before I kind of get into the individual actions, I just want to make it really clear that that it's it's not enough. Like if every single human being did everything that I say on this list, still wouldn't be enough unless it one drove changes in policy and two drove changes in agriculture. So I think that's important for us to understand. But I but I do believe that consumers can make a difference and they are. You know, we're seeing that by our personal choices, we're driving industry to change. For example, Kellogg's, which makes, you know, cereal, uh, they, they told um, their con- consumers that they were going to get glyphosate or weed killer out of their cereal by 2025. That's huge. You know, Cheerios has more glyphosate or weed killer in a bowl of cereal than vitamin A or vitamin D, which are actually, sorry, vitamin D or vitamin B12, which are added to the cereal. (laughs) So are you you just, I want to unpack that a tiny bit because how is that? Is that essentially from runoff? Or from yeah, so, mir- so, essentially so here, Miracle so Grow product, you know, being yeah. So yeah. Miracle Grow's a Roundup is right. It's yeah. a, a Roundup, uh, oh, and and essentially it's it's uh, a product that's used on seventy crops called glyphosate or Roundup. It's used on crops that aren't even GMO crops like wheat or oats. It, it desiccates them and it's used not early on to kill the weeds in this agricultural cycle, but it's used right at harvest which is far worse because then it's higher concentrations to desiccate or dry the plant that that, that then actually allows it to make it easier to, to get the kernels off and make the wheat. So that is why there's so much in our bread and wheat products, so much glyphosate. And, and so it's really, really harmful. Uh, and I think, you know, even the impossible burger, for example, has 110 times the amount of glyphosate is required to kill the microbiome of animals and animal studies. And that's, we think that's a healthy plant-based meal, but it's GMO soy and they spray it full of Roundup or glyphosate. So, so, um, and also General Mills and Danone are now funding farmers to convert to regenerative agriculture. Hmm. Uh, you've got these companies actually paying farmers to do this. Uh, I see, I see hope, uh, in, in the, in the consumer. So what should we do? We can become regenitarians. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you can be a vegan or, or paleo, but you can still be a regenitarian. And, and, and that means eating food and it's not really fully possible today, but you can eat food that's grown or raised in ways that are regenerative, that restore the soil, that restore ecosystems, that restore watersheds, that help reduce the use of chemicals, that build soil in a way that actually draws down carbon. Uh, and, and whether you're eating animals or plants, it's important to think about how you can do more of that by, for example, 
um, searching out sources like Butcher Box, which is grass-fed meat, or Mariposa Ranch, which has uh, is a regenerative ranch. There's a Marin Carbon Project. There's all sorts of places where you can buy these things online direct from farmers. It's much cheaper than than even buying stuff for, that's a regular meat in a grocery store if you'd get it direct from farmers. Mm. Um, you know, join your community support of agriculture. Start a garden yourself. Uh, those are really important. In terms of food, you know, stick to to real food. I mean, one of the the silver linings of this coronavirus epidemic is that uh, nobody's eating at fast food restaurants, yeah. <laughs> or may, or maybe they are. They're doing takeout. I don't know, but it's certainly less. Sure, uh, people are staying home, and I think, uh, you know, I feel bad for the food workers because they're they're marginal workers to start with, and they're not actually being uh, taken care of. So. I think eating eating that way, I call it, and I talk about how to do that, um, uh, and, and focus on non-GMO. Why? Because not because necessarily GMO is bad or good for you. We're, we could argue about that all day, but because if you're eating a GMO food, you're eating food that's grown in a way that's destructive to the environment and probably destructive to your health, particularly because of the glyphosate and the pesticides. Um, you can actually focus on uh, food waste uh, for your own house and for your community for example compost is such an easy thing to do and some of us live in urban areas it's a little harder but there are in apartment composters you can often drop it at farmers markets and turns out food waste if it were a country would be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases so even if you're a vegetarian or vegan and you're throwing your vegetable scraps in the landfill you're off-gassing methane it's worse than cow burps (laughs) so people just don't understand the whole connectivity of all this so it's it's very nuanced. It's it's complicated, but it's a it's an interconnected ecosystem. So make sure you have a compost pile. Uh, you can also, if you get expired, you can uh, actually start to to work on political campaigns. You can work with your local governments to implement community gardens or implement composting systems like they did in San Francisco. You can turn up the heat on your politicians and and be vocal in elections. You can uh, find out what your representatives are doing at the Food Policy Action website, which is foodpolicyaction.org. And you can see how they vote on food and ag issues. And uh, you can communicate with them through the tools they have there. And they ousted two uh, food-friendly, food system-friendly congressmen that were voting in ways that were harmful. uh, And they got rid of them uh, by by activating their base. So, um, and there are a lot of other ways. You know, people want to support more um, sustainable investments. You know, Larry Fink from, um, yeah, Blackstone or BlackRock, yeah. uh, uh, who's one of the, the, the runs the biggest financial investment firm in the world, recently set, wrote a letter to all CEOs saying we need to account for uh, climate change in our investment strategy. One because it's important, but two because it's an economic imperative. Yeah. So you know, how do you how do you where do you put your money? Do you put it in a bank that's you know doing gas and oil, uh, or that's supporting regenerative uh, supporting factory farms or there's places like Good Money, which our friend Gennar has created, which is a company that actually creates a parallel bank system that creates transparency and and that allows you to invest in companies that are actually are doing good in the world. So there's a lot of good things we can do from the individual point of view, but ultimately it's going to require massive changes in policy. Um, and, and that's also what I'm working on through a campaign called the Food Fix Campaign. And people can go to foodfix.org to learn more about it. But it's focused on driving the concepts in the book into actionable policy changes in the government. And we're working with an incredible team that launched Bono's One Campaign and raised $87 billion for AIDS and poverty relief in Africa and was very effective at getting the legislation passed. And they're working with me um, and many other groups to actually implement uh, changes around three pillars. The first is to transform all of our policies and all of our healthcare systems into a food as medicine strategy. So food first as medicine. Second is reforming broken food policies, whether it's agricultural policies, whether it's SNAP or food stamps or school lunches or FDA regulations, things that really need to be fixed. And the third is uh, supporting regenerative agriculture. So those three pillars, I think, are going to help drive the change we need to see. And, And our job is to educate the 2,000 people in Washington that make decisions because strikingly uh, they may have good intentions, but their their level of education around this is extremely low. 
Yeah. And what is the general rep receptivity there, just given your experience? Because, well, you know, uh, I've been... Uh, yeah. I've been blown away, actually. <laughs> really, I, I've been I've been in Washington before all this chaos happened. I spent a lot of time in Washington, <clears throat> meeting with congressmen, senators, staffers, people in the various agencies, Defense Department, uh, and there's incredible interest and openness. Uh, I think this is becoming imperative that people realize we cannot ignore this anymore. That we have to address this as a nation, and it's, it's an economic imperative. It's a humanitarian imperative, uh, and I think um, I think the, the the leaders of this country are starting to really understand that. Yeah, because on its face, it's it's a it's an issue that transcends partisanship, and uh -huh. um, you know I, I think there is a you know potentially a an image that is somewhat effete of the coastal Whole Foods goer. Um, that that may seem kind of aloof and very very separate um, from the American heartland and the way most people can afford to live. Um, however, at the core of the message that that you're on the front lines, um, you know, supporting, uh, it seems to have economic implications. Uh, and health implications that affect every single person in the country and yeah. in, and in the world, and yeah. um, and transcends red and blue, which mm -hmm. which is rare at this juncture. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, all of us depend on healthcare. All of us depend on food. Mm -hmm. I think people, you know, it's striking to me how, the level of consciousness about how food does affect our health. I think people understand they eat too much, they gain weight. Yeah. But short of that, I think people just don't understand the the rapid uh, impact of improving the quality of your diet has on your health and how quickly it can happen. I mean, in, in the book, I talk about Janice, who was 66 and had severe type 2 diabetes on insulin for 10 years, heart failure, kidneys were failing, liver was fatty, high blood pressure, lots of medications, multiple stents put in her heart. She was very overweight. She was 243 pounds and was very short. And within three days, she was off her insulin. In three months, she got off all her medications and reversed her heart failure and her kidney failure. And in a year, she lost 116 pounds just eating real food. It wasn't really complicated. It was an anti-inflammatory, whole foods, unprocessed diet. So I, I think people really need to realize how powerful this is, not just in terms of prevention, but also treatment. Yeah. I mean, do you feel that... Um the changes in behavior that we have witnessed and that we have honestly engaged in ourselves over the past couple of weeks, where they're, they're cooking and not going to restaurants, uh, not driving, not flying as much, uh, telecommuting, um, all of the um, behaviors that in some ways have been uh, hoisted upon us, the the implications of those, um, while set against the backdrop of something very, very serious, um, may be incredibly positive. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, and I'm sure you're following this, but the New York Times is covering um, the uh, environmental um, or the impact of COVID-19 on the environment. And, you know, I think in L.A., um, over the past week, you've seen some of the clearest skies in terms of particulate matter in the air in 40 yeah. years. And, uh, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and so, um, you know, I, I wonder just kind of in summary, if you are optimistic, um, looking yeah. forward, you know, hoping that there could be potentially sort of a new human story or at least a set of new behaviors that can emerge out of this very, very difficult time um, that could actually lead us in a more positive direction. I do. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this, about, you know, how this is going to change human consciousness, how this is going to change our way of relating as a human community, how it's going to change the things that we focus on and care about, uh, how it's going to impact our addressing the epidemic of chronic disease, for example, and the the overburdened healthcare systems, uh, the stress on hospitals, you know, we, 
you know, we were completely unprepared for this from a healthcare point of view. And I think, you know, this is a wake up call for people, for governments around the world. Um, to, you know, maybe it's a Pollyanna view, but I, I do think that, that there's going to be a new opportunity for, for a different way of being together as a human family that isn't so divisive, that isn't so oppositional, that isn't focused on, you know, us and me and mine and, and more on we and us and, 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 and the, the, the sort of, sort of interconnectedness of all of us. Yeah. Well, Mark Hyman, thank you for being such a leader on this issue right now when we need that leadership uh, more than ever, but for years and years and years, your commitment, um, to healthy lifestyle and helping us uh, understand the uh, integrated nature of food, the environment, um, our healthcare system, our political system. Um, You've been on the front lines of that. So very, very grateful for that leadership and very, very grateful for, for your new book, Food Fix. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Anytime, and we'll do it again. And stay, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, give uh, me a big hug. One of the, um, one of the, uh, the suggestions that you made as part of behaviors to stay well is to cuddle your partner. <laughs> so I'll, I'll you take bet. that. I'll I take mean, hug, hug, hugging actually helps your immune system, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Not strangers at this point, but maybe your yeah. your partner. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Take care, Mark. Thank you, man. Thank you for listening to today's show. To learn more about Dr. Mark Hyman and his new book, Food Fix, go to drhyman.com. That's D-R-H-Y-M-A-N.com. If you have any comments or questions about today's show, shoot me an email at jeffk at onecommune.com. I always appreciate hearing directly from you. That's all from the commune for this week. I'm Jeff Krasno, and I'm here for you. (laughs) 